Chapter Thirty Five of the Flight of the Shadow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Flight of the Shadow by George MacDonald. Chapter Thirty Five Uncle Edmund's Appendix. When my uncle Edward had told his story, corresponding, though more conversational in form, with that I have now transcribed, my uncle Edmund took up his part of the tale from the moment when he came to himself after their fearful rush down the river. It was to this effect. He lay on the very verge of the hideous void. How it was that he got thus far and no farther he never could think. He was out of the central channel and the water that ran all about him and poured immediately over the edge of the precipice could not have sufficed to roll him there finding himself on his back and trying to turn on his side in order to rise his elbow found no support and lifting his head a little he looked down into a moon pervaded abyss where thin silvery vapors were stealing about one turn and he would have been on his way plumb down to the valley below say rather on his way off the face of the world into the vast that bosoms the stars and the systems and the cloudy worlds his very soul quivered with terror the pang of it was yet so keen that it saved him from the swoon in which he might yet have dropped from the edge of the world not daring to rise and unable to roll himself up the slight slope he shifted himself sideways along the ground inch by inch for a few yards and then rose and ran staggering away as from a monster that might wake and pursue and overtake him he doubted if he would ever have recovered the sudden shock of his awful position of his one glance into that ghastly depth but for the worst horror of the all but conviction that his brother had gone down to hades through that terrible descent if only he too had gone he cried in his misery they would now be together with no wicked woman between their hearts for his love too was changed into loathing he too was at once and entirely and forever freed from her fascination the very thought of her was hateful to him with straight course but wavering walk he made his way through the moonlight to demand his brother he too picked up the handkerchief and dropped it with disgust what followed in the lady's chamber i have already given in his own words when he fled from the chalet it was with self-slaughter in his heart but he endured in the comfort of the thought that the door of death was always open that he might enter when he would he sought the foot of the fall the same night and then as one possessed of demons to the tombs fled to the solitary places of the dark mountains he went through many a sore stress ignorant of the death of his father and his elder brother the dread misery of encountering them with his brother's blood on his soul barred his way home he could not bear the thought of reading in their eyes his own horror of himself his money was soon spent and for months he had to endure severe hardships of simple wholesome human sort he thought afterward that if he had had no trouble of that kind his brain would have yielded he would have surrendered himself but for the uselessness of it and the misery and public stare it would bring upon his family 
knowing german well and contriving at length to reach berlin he found employment there of various kinds and for a good many years managed to live as well as he had any heart for and spare a little for some worse off than himself having no regard to his health however he had at length a terrible attack of brain fever and but partially recovering his faculties after it was placed in an asylum there he dreamed every night of his home came awake with the joy of the dream and could sleep no more for longing not to go home that he dared not think of but to look upon the place if only once again the longing grew till it became intolerable by his talk in his sleep the good people about him learning his condition gave and gathered money to send him home on his way he came to himself quite but when he reached england he found he dared not go near the place of his birth he remained therefore in london where he made the barest livelihood by copying legal documents in this way he spent a few miserable years and then suddenly set out to walk to the house of his fathers he had but five shillings in his possession when the impulse came upon him he reached the moor and had fallen exhausted when a solitary gypsy rare phenomenon i presume with a divine spot awake in his heart found him gave him some gin and took him to a hut he had in the wildest part of the heath he lay helpless for a week and then began to recover when he was sufficiently restored he helped his host to weave the baskets which as soon as he had enough to make a load he took about the country in a cart he soon became so clever at the work as quite to earn his food and shelter making more baskets while the gypsy was away selling the others at home the old horse managed to live or rather not to die on the moor and all things considered had not a very hard life of it on his back uncle edmund ill able to walk so far for he was anything but strong now would sometimes go wandering in the twilight or when the moon shone to some spot whence he could see his old home occasionally he would even go round and round the house while we slept like a ghost dreaming of ancient days but i said interrupting his narrative the horseman i saw that night in the storm could not have been you uncle for the horse was a grand creature rearing like the horse with peter the great on his back in the corner of the map of russia were you out on that terrible night he returned the lightning was enough to frighten even an older horse than the gypsies i wonder how my friend is getting on he must think me very ungrateful but i dare say he imagines me lying fathom deep in the bog you will do something for him won't you ed you shall do for him yourself what you please ed answered my own uncle and i will help you but uncle edmund i said if it was you we saw the place you were in was a very boggy one always and nearly a lake then i thought i should never get out he replied but for the poor horse and his owner i should not have minded how did you get out of it uncle i persisted laney cartage smothered a splendid black horse not far from there through the darkness i heard him going down it makes me shudder every time i think of it i cannot tell you child i suppose my gray was such a skeleton that the bog couldn't hold him i left it all to him and he got himself and me too out of it somehow it was too dark as you know to see anything between the flashes i remember we were pretty deep sometimes he went back to london after that and had come and gone once or twice he said 
When he came, he always lodged with his gypsy friend. He had learned that his father was dead, but took the Mr. Witchcoat he had heard mentioned for his elder brother, David, my father. I asked him how it was he appeared to such purpose, and in the very nick of time that afternoon, when Lady Carnage had come with her servants to carry John away, for of course I knew now that our champion must have been Uncle Edmund. He answered he had that very morning made up his mind to present himself at the house, and had walked there for the purpose resolved to tell his brother all. He got in by the end of the garden, as John was in the way of doing, and had reached the little grove of firs by the house when he saw a carriage at the door and drew back. Hearing then the noises of attack and defense, he came to the window and looked in, heard Lady Carnage's shriek, saw her on the floor, and the men attempting to force an entrance at the other side of the window. Hardly knowing what he did, he rushed at them and beat them off, and then suddenly turning faint, for his heart was troublesome, he retired into the grove and lay there helpless for a time. He recovered only to hear the carriage drive away, leaving quiet behind it. To see that woman in the house of his father's was a terrible shock to him. Could it be that David had married her? He stole from his covert and crawled across the moor to the gypsy's hut. There he was consoled by learning that the mistress of the house was a young girl whom he rightly concluded to be the daughter of his brother David. In making a second visit with the same intent, he had another attack of the heart, and now knew that he would have died in the snow had not John found him. End of chapter 35